Merkel Media. I guess it's time to go back in time. Are you telling me you built a time machine out of a DeLorean? Time is but a stubborn illusion. I have a lot of memories of the past. People are time traveling within themselves. Time travel is possible. Welcome to the show, everybody. I am your host, Tony Merkel, and I am really glad that you're here, and I'm really glad to be here. I want to let you guys know that actually in the next month or so, I'm going to be bringing in a special guest into the studio to interview me. You see, ever since I started the show, I realized that I'm the one doing the interviewing, and you guys are the ones left piecing together who you think your host is. And so I think one episode would be fun for me to just share who I am, share my experiences with things in life, and also, I want to let you guys know that Lindsay and I had a great time last weekend at the Blobfest where we were vendors. It was just a good time to get outside and meet some new people. And if you want to check out some of the pictures, you can go to the Confessionals Facebook page, give it a like, and you know, like some of those pictures too. If you want to find us on Twitter, you can find us at, at T Confessionals. That's at T Confessionals. Now, this week's show, we have Steve coming on, and Steve has had a lot of experiences in his life that all kind of stems from his job. So let's bring on Steve and hear what he has to say. Okay, tonight I have a great guest coming on. Steve has contacted me, and he has three different instances that actually all kind of relate together. Uh, Steve, how are you doing tonight? I'm great, man. Great. So we were talking uh, before we started recording here, and you're down in Alabama, right? I am, yes, the north, northwest corner of Alabama. Okay, great. Uh, so we were talking a little bit, and it turns out uh, you have some different ministries that you do. Uh, you're, you're a little bit of a pastor. You do some other things in hospice work. You're kind of just a little bit all, you know, doing a little bit of everything here. Uh, would you like to talk about that at all as far as what you do in hospice and things like that? Yes, I'm a um, I'm a chaplain for a hospice, and I also do a bereavement counseling. Um, I've been doing that for probably about six, seven years thereabouts, and um, I'm also an associate pastor of a church here in town. I've been doing it for probably about uh, twelve, thirteen years. The way. Uh, <clears throat> the way everything started, um, when I first 
got into, uh, well, it was before I got into hospice work. I was working at a, uh, a paper mill and, um, <clears throat> my wife was pregnant with our, our firstborn child, which I've got two children and they're both miracles. I believe all children are miracles, but you know, doctors told me and my wife that neither one of us could have children. So I really, um, am thankful for my, for my kids. But, uh, the job that I was working at at the time, um, worked all the time, didn't really have any days off. I worked, uh, rotating swing shifts. So I, um, you know, wouldn't have got to see my family very much. So I took, uh, a, a job here locally at a plastics company and um <clears throat> I, there's there's a reason I'm I'm telling this because I believe it all links together but when I started working at this company I took took a a large pay cut just to you know have a Monday through Friday you know 9 to 5 job that way I could be at home at night with my family and you know <clears throat> but this company was owned by two guys and they were just very, um, they were very hateful guys, very mean spirited. Um, they would say things to belittle you and, um, you know, would call their employees stupid and things like that. And, and I'm going to tell you, I, for a long time, probably about two months or so, you know, I, um, on my way to work, I would pray for the, the owners, you know, that, you know, God would bless their day and that they would be in a good mood. And, um, <clears throat> and this, this went on for a little while till it got to the point to it, that it would start kind of chipping away at me. And I started harboring, uh, you know, hateful feelings toward one of the owners. And, um, I'm the type of person that it, it really bothers me to feel that way about somebody, um, especially as a, as a Christian, you know, you're not supposed to have hate in your heart for anyone, you know, and it really bothered me. Well, <clears throat> I'll fast forward a little, little bit to where, um, I used to have a habit of walking around my house at night and praying, you know, over my family and, you know, just talking to God because it's quiet where I live. It's real peaceful at night. Um, you can see the, the stars in the sky. It's just, you know, it's just what I preferred to do. Well, there was this one spot right outside of my window that, uh, I could go outside and put an X on the ground exactly where it was. And it was almost like there was something standing there that I could not see. And it would, it was just an evil presence and it would make you feel sick to get close to it. And I mean, to the point of, you know, being scared, there's not too many things in life that, you know, that really scare me to that degree. But I mean, it was just sheer terror. Well, I didn't, um, I didn't pay much mind to it, um, until it just kept happening over and over every night. And, um, talked to my wife about it and I said, man, there, there's just something going on. Um, and I told her about the spot outside and, um, <clears throat> well, one night I'd fallen asleep on the couch and my wife, um, 
she always would come and wake me up off the couch and say, hey, come get in bed, you know. So that's kind of what I expected, but uh, it's not what happened. I was asleep on the couch, and I was awoke to what sounded like hundreds of voices in my living room. It sounded like a crowded mall during Christmas time, you know, how there's just hundreds of people talking at the same time. It's just chatter, you know. Um, this was about the time, you know, my son was just born. Uh, he was still in the crib and, you know, um, <clears throat> but when I woke up, I opened my eyes and it was almost like, um, like a whoops, you're not supposed to see this kind of thing, you know. And um, I kind of jokingly say it's like when you're a kid at Chuck E. Cheese or Showbiz or something and you see the robots underneath, you know, it's like, oh, man, that's kind of ruins your image of, uh, you know, the wonderment and amazement of things. But um, when I opened my eyes, this thing was floating right above me, probably about a foot or two, and it was almost face to face with me. And, um, it had a white face. It was solid white, kind of like, uh, I tell people that it looks a lot like, uh, one of them Chinese dragons, you know, how during Chinese new year, they will have these, um, large dragon puppets and people will be underneath of it, moving it around, you know? Yeah. Well, they have a very exaggerated, grimace on its face and sharp teeth and well this thing was exactly like that it was almost like a chinese dragon but it was a you know it was a humanoid you know it had two arms and two legs i guess like you know like a person would in a head positioned you know just like a person but its eyes it had pupils that went up and down like like slits kind of like a uh kind of like a snake and its eyes were glowing like an orange burning orange color and it had a uh, a very large grimace on its face and it had sharp pointy teeth and they were curved inward kind of like a uh, like a python you know and then it looked like a monster you know I know it sounds crazy and I've never heard anybody else you know, talk about anything that looked this way, but it was terrifying. Well, as soon as I opened my eyes and saw this thing, um, it got pulled out of the room, like, like almost like you vacuum up something really quick. It was like, it just got soaked out of the room. And that's why I kind of got the impression that, you know, it was kind of a, Hey, you're not supposed to see this, you know? But it was talking to me while I was asleep, man. And that's what, you know, was the most disturbing thing to me. And um, so I jumped up and I ran to the bedroom and um, <clears throat> I fell a couple of times. It's kind of like I was so scared that my my legs were not cooperating with my brain. And um, I was just in, in sheer terror. Well, um, <clears throat> I went and jumped in the bed and I told my wife, I said, man, we got to pray. There was something terrible that just happened. So I went to sleep and, um, the next day I 
told my wife more about it, and uh, and I was I was scared because I thought, man, at first I thought, I don't know. I mean, you know, um, I just kind of chalked it up to maybe I just hallucinated or you know had a a lapse of uh, <laughs> mental. I don't know. I mean, I just I thought I, it could have been a hallucination, um, but. I just couldn't shake it from my mind. I said, man, that, that was something that was, it was real. Cause I remember getting up and running to the bedroom and falling and, you know, I've never had a bad dream or anything like that that caused me to react that way. Well, <clears throat> a couple of days went by and, uh, I was really distraught about this and it was just burned into my mind and I was worried about it scared and um, <clears throat> I fell asleep on the couch again and um, I told myself I wasn't going to do this but working hard all day just kind of fall asleep and um, <clears throat> but anyhow I fell asleep on the couch what woke me up this time was a feeling um, and it was the same feeling that I got whenever I would approach the spot outside my bedroom window outside when I would pray at night. And it was just, um, the only way I can describe it is it was just pure evil and wickedness. Um, it was almost like I felt every negative emotion that you could feel all wrapped up in one. And, um, and I started to, I thought that I was going to um, get sick. So I went to lift up and I couldn't move. It was almost like being paralyzed. And, um, but I could move my eyes. That's the weird thing. Cause I remember scanning around the room with my eyes and thinking, man, um, you know, this is a, a terrifying thing. And, um, I've heard of people having sleep paralysis and everything, but <clears throat> I tell people that sleep paralysis doesn't, result in a, a broken couch, you know. Um, but I kept feeling this heaviness pushed down on me, and it was almost like a like a hydraulic press pushing me down. And, um, you know, just when I thought, I can't handle no more of this, it kept pushing more and more. And I heard the, um, the wooden slats and, the, you know, the frame of the couch starting to, crack and, and bend, you know. Um, and I heard several things popping and the springs in the couch. And then all of a sudden, over the back of the couch, I see this, like, solid black, smoky-looking stuff just pour over the couch. It almost looked like a, like a, I don't know, like a horror movie effect or something. And I thought, man, I am losing my mind. And um, all of a sudden, the um, the smoke assumed the form of a person, and it wasn't uh, it wasn't like lofty or see through or anything. It was like velvet black. You couldn't see through it. It was it almost looked like a cutout um, of velvet, the the you know silhouette of the whatever it was. But it was large. It was bigger than um, it was bigger than 
um, the size a person could get. Like, I mean, I know it sounds funny, but it's kind of like um, the Incredible Hulk, how, you know, he's a lot larger than a, a normal person. But anyhow, um, it pressed its forearm across my chest and pushed down, and I could feel my my um, Adam's apple, like, pushing into my throat. And I was shocked because it was a solid, physical, it was just like a person. I could feel the skin of it, and um, <clears throat> and it pressed its face right up against mine. And I got the impression, like, um, you know, how, like, when boxers are talking trash and they would get right up in each other's face, like, touching faces, you know. It was like a taunt. And I felt... Um, the, worst, the worst part of this is the feeling that exuded out of this thing. Like, um, and I can't explain it, but I could feel, like, fierce anger and hatred for me coming out of this creature. And it may, it was to the point like it would just penetrate your your inner person, you know. Um, and it, <clears throat> like I thought I was going to be violently ill, you know, just from the feeling. And um, I was scared for my life. I thought, man, this thing is fixing to kill me. And as soon as I thought that, I heard. It's almost like I understood that it knew that it could kill me if it. If it was able, to, you know, it, it had the ability to do that, but it was kind of being restrained by possibly God. I mean, I, you know, I, I remember I thought of a story in the book of Job where, you know, Satan could only do to Job what God would allow to happen to Job, but he couldn't take his life, you know. But anyhow, um, <clears throat> just as quick as it happened, it was over. And I mean, I could feel myself spring up from the couch like it. I, I rose up, you know, because the pressure was gone. The weight was off of me. So I got up and ran to the bed, and same scenario, man. I grabbed my wife, and I said, well, we got to pray because something terrible just happened. Um, so I just laid there in the bed for hours, and um, I kept getting up to check on my son because that was my main concern during all of this, all of these experiences that I had, um, I worried about my son more than anything. And that's, I mean, that's just being a parent, I guess, you know. And I thought, well, if this thing could, you know, crush me down like that, um, and there, were, I, there was nothing I could do, man. I couldn't speak. Um, all I could do was think, Lord, help me. Please, God, help me. Save me from this. Because there was nothing I could do within my own strength to, you know, fight against it. And so I was worried about my infant child, you know. <clears throat> I thought, man, this thing could just crush my child. So he slept with us for, you know, several nights. But after this experience, I laid in the bed for a long time. Couldn't go to sleep. And... um I felt like it felt like an arm going up under my back and pulling me up, like out of the bed. So 
my back was arched and contorted, and it it literally felt like something was trying to steal my my life from me, like it was trying to pull my spirit out of my body. Um, and I know this sounds crazy, man, but I, you know, when this happened to me, I never had any intentions of ever telling anybody about it. Um, but people need to know that, you know, these things are real. And I, well, later, probably, probably about a week after all this, I mean, I just lived in constant fear that this thing was going to come back at any time because basically, I mean, it could do just about anything it wanted to. Well, and this is where things really get off the reservation. And I know, um, you know, not too many people have several different encounters with different things. It's usually the same thing, you know, but, um, I was outside sitting on my carport and something told me to get up and to walk out in the middle of the driveway and to just look up. Well, I did. (laughs) And when I looked up, there was a black triangle floating above my house. And it was, it wasn't going fast and it wasn't necessarily going slow either, but there was no, um, rocket or no propellers. There was no propulsion. There was no windows. There were no seams. There was no lights. There was no labels or insignia. Um, it looked like a a very smooth, like the angles of it were very smooth, and it it almost looked like a soft matte type um, finish on it. And I was I was shocked, like I was in awe of this thing because I thought, what is this? At first glance, I mean, when you see something like that, man, it's just kind of like you're blown away. And I know people are going to be like, man, why didn't you go get your camera? In my mind, I thought, this is a special moment. And if I go inside, I know as soon as I come back out, it's going to be gone. And I didn't want to miss it. I know it sounds weird, but you never know what what you will do in a situation like that until it happens to you. Well, this is what's really strange about it. Not that seeing a giant black triangle floating over your house is not strange, but yeah, when it when it passed and got about maybe a couple blocks um, past my house. I blinked my eyes and it turned into uh, ducks in a formation, like probably 10 of them. And it was a perfect triangle formation. And it was almost kind of like, you know, hey, you weren't supposed to say that either, you know. Um, And I can't explain that. And that's something that I have not ever shared in any other interview or with anybody else and there there's more details about all of these encounters that you know i probably won't ever tell anybody because it's just uh it's very personal and um just strange it's just very strange well after that i told my wife and she was like there's no way 
there's no way, there's no way you saw that. Um, and I, I never told her that it turned into ducks. Like I blinked my eyes before I blinked black triangle. When I blinked my eyes, ducks. So I don't know if it's a cloaking thing or I don't, I don't know. I can't explain it. I, you know, when it comes to the unknown and mysterious things, there, there are no experts. Um, you know, there, there are people who claim to be experts, but when it comes down to it, nobody really knows anything other than what happens to other people or themselves. Um, so <clears throat> after, after that happened, I started having a, a reoccurring dream or what I thought was a reoccurring dream. And what would happen every time is I would be asleep in my bed and my bed used to be kind of up against the window. And, um, I moved it since then, but what would happen is these things would come through the wall on the side of the window and they would peek in and they would just stare down at me. And it was almost like I was outside of myself seeing this. It was kind of like watching a movie, but I would see these like five faces poke their heads out right through the wall and they would look around and then they would come all the way through the wall. They would never touch my bed or, you know, they were float, always floating, like flying through the air. And, um, the best way I can describe them is they had larger heads, but their arms were very bony and emaciated. Like there was very little muscular to these, uh, musculature to these beings. It almost looked like chicken cutlets with skin stretched across. Just very, you know, like an elderly gentlemen like the way their muscle will look just right. very emaciated and, and skinny. Um but their ribs um I don't know if you remember in school seeing, you know, videos of like Holocaust victims, how they were just, you know, starved to the point of death, like their yep. bellies would almost touch their spine, you know. Um but they they look just like that but their arms were very long and their fingers were very long. Like when they would grab my arms, like one would grab an arm, another one would grab the other arm. Then one would grab a leg and the other one would grab another leg. And there was a person, uh, another one that would kind of oversee the other ones and direct them. Um, like it even moved its arm to like, hey, take him on, you know. And um, <clears throat> their face, it didn't have big almond eyes like, you know, like the traditional gray alien or whatever. But its eyes were teeny, like a marble. It looked like a black marble in a very wrinkly, sunk-in eye socket. And it was very wrinkled, like um, like we, if you've been in a bathtub for too long, your your fingers get very um, wrinkly, like a raisin. Well, its whole body looked that way, but 
right around its eye sockets was just terrible. It was very, they were ugly, very ugly creatures. Well, their nose kind of looked like a smeared, um, it didn't have a nose really. It just looked like smeared holes stretched out like two um, slits, like angular slits. And its mouths were just little lines, no lips. I didn't ever see teeth. They never really opened their mouths. No ears. <clears throat> and it's hard to really remember a lot of details, but that face, I'll never forget. I'll never forget that face. Well, their skin was very white to the point of glowing white. It was a luminescent-looking um, white and they gave off their own light. It was very strange, like a glow-in-the-dark toy or something, you know. <clears throat> the strange thing was, whenever they'd lift me up, they would take me straight out that window, and then the window never opened, and, like, part of me went through the window, and part of me went through the wall, um, just the angle that they took me out. And... Like most guys, I, I mean, I sleep in, in boxers, you know. And um, during this time of the year, it's freezing cold here in Alabama. Um, I mean, it was probably in the 20s at night. So I go from a nice warm house and bed to going right out in the freezing cold. And I remember just being bitterly cold, like shivering and shaking cold. And... It would stop every time, like right there, as soon as I got out the window, nothing else. And um, <clears throat> I don't remember them doing anything else to me. I don't remember going in anything. Um, but I remember looking up and seeing the stars, like being awake. Well, so here's a strange thing. The very next morning after this first dream, I... Um, I woke up to go to work and, um, you know, my wife and I, we don't, you know, use foul language or nothing, but, um, you know, my wife, she saw my back and, you know, I didn't pay no attention to anything, but I had bruises and scratches and marks all over me around my arms. Like you could see the handprints of those things around my arm. Like, and they were fingers that they would lap over. Like, if you tried to put your hand around your arm, you know, your fingers would not ever touch your hand, you know. It wouldn't fit around your arm. <clears throat> but these things, their hands would wrap all the way around, like, and almost double over, they were so long. Um, and one thing I do remember is, Whenever they did grab me, it hurt real bad, man, like like a like a real strong, powerful person grabbed my arm, and I could feel like bruises and you know I felt like they were just going to cut through my arm. It was almost like um when you get your blood pressure taken, how sometimes those automated machines will squeeze it too hard to yeah. the point of it like really hurting you, you know. Well, that's what it felt like. And I looked down on my legs, and they were, 
I mean, a handprint that would go all all the way around the big part of my leg, like right above my knee. Um, and it it really really hurt. So my wife was like, you know, what the blank happened to you? And I was like, what do you mean? So I looked in the mirror and I was like, God, I mean, it looked like somebody had beat the stuffing out of me. And, um, like, <clears throat> I get I get emotional sometimes talking about this. But I, I was terrified thinking about my kid. I thought, man, this has got to stop. Something's got Something's got to give. Well, before all this stuff happened, I want to go back and I want to share this because this is the most amazing um, and incredible thing that happened throughout all this. And I didn't understand why this happened to me. Um, But before any of these terrible things happened, I was on the couch one night. Um, My wife her daddy had had a heart attack, so she was down in in Birmingham, which is the nearest uh, big, big city to where I'm at. And um, he was at UAB Hospital. So she went down there with him, and I, you know, I stayed here because I had to work the next day. And um, I was laying on the couch, and uh, I was listening to this guy preaching on uh, on YouTube on my phone. And man, I had a feeling come over me that was like better than any feeling I've ever felt in my life. And it was pure bliss and joy and just an ecstatic feeling. And I remember I just started laughing because I thought, man, this is just incredible, you know? Um, you know, being a Christian, I, I believe that a person can feel the presence of God. Um, and I mean, it, you know, it happens to me quite often, you know, when I'm preaching or praying for somebody or, you know, just praying to God and, you know, talking to him one-on-one, you know, um, but never like this. This was like, um, like an overload of joy. And <clears throat> I remember I got up and started crying because I was just overwhelmed. It was, it was too much. It was almost too much to handle. And um, when I was walking back through my hallway, I saw a, like an oval. And it was a, it looked like a floating cloud of water. Just, it was the most pure, crystal clear water that I've ever seen. It was beautiful. But it was a perfect oval. And it was about the size of a person. Well, the end the the water was like hundreds and hundreds of these little gold specks. And these specks would beam this bright light. It's not really, I, don't, I wouldn't call it a light. It's kind of like if you go to the lake on a really bright summer day, how... You know, if the um, if the sun shines on the water just right, it'll it'll gleam in your eye. Yeah. Um, well, it was so bright that it would it would hurt your eyes to look at. You know, it's it's, it's like looking at the sun reflecting off of a shiny metal. You know, it would just hurt your eyes to look at for too long. 
Well, for some reason, I just walked right through this cloud, man. I mean, I just stepped right through it. Um, and when I did, I thought, this is, this is so good that I'm going to just die. I thought, this is it. I thought that this, you know, that I was about to meet God, like personally, you know. Um, and then I kind of got afraid. I, I prayed. I said, God, I can't handle this. You've got to make this stop. And I know probably anybody, um, you know, listening will be like, man, why would you say such a thing? Um, you just have to be there. I mean, it was like an overload of joy. I thought I was going to just die and go to heaven. And it was powerful, very powerful. Um, but anyhow, after that encounter, uh, which I believe was an encounter with God, um, probably, I don't know, maybe six or seven months after that's when all the bad stuff started. Now, to tie it all up, I really feel like I know why all that happened to me. And, um, you know, when I think about the spot outside my house that, you know, the closer I got to it, the, the worse I felt just the evil presence outside. It was almost like the, a demon or something just waiting for me to open the door to let it in. And I, I really believe with all my heart that, harboring hateful feelings toward the owner of that company was just the the break it was looking for. And I, I think about how many other people out there are, you know, afflicted by things they can't see or things they don't understand. And it's these demonic entities. And another thing that I think about is how come all three of these different creatures um, happen around the same period of time, you know? And um, I know Christians get a, they get a good chiding on the comment sections of people that kind of, you know, mock, mock us for thinking that aliens are demons. I mean, I'm, I'm just going to say, I don't know. I'm not going to say they are, or, I'm not going to say that they're not because I simply don't know. However, based upon the things that I've experienced all in that short span of time, I believe they're all one and the same. Um, and, uh, another detail that I wanted to share was the the one gentleman that was one of the owners of the company, the one that, you know, gave me such trouble at work. I later found out that he had a, a teenage son that um, that committed suicide. And um, one of the coworkers told me that, you know, him and his wife came home and, um, and found their son. You know, he'd shot himself and had to, you know, clean up everything. And I thought, man, how terrible that is. I mean, that's, that's a horror story right there, you know, to, you know, for that to happen to your child. And, um, the coworker told me that they believe that, you know, um, the owner whose son it was 
just give him such a hard time all the time that he just couldn't handle it anymore. And, you know, I thought, well, man, that guy has to live with that every day of his life, man. And, and I, I really found a new, a newfound compassion for the, for the guy, you know, having a, a baby boy myself, you know, I kind of, you know, uh, sympathized with him. So if I can interject a little bit, I would uh, mm-hmm. have some questions, and actually, we'll start with the most recent one that po- just popped in my head. You said that this guy's son died by killing himself, and if I heard mm-hmm. you correct, people said that he was really hard on his son, and they feel like that's what drove yes. his son to do that. Right. Do you think there could have been any correlation to this guy being hard on his son, his son killing himself, if that's what happened? And to what happened to you? And what I was saying is, could there have been a demonic entity in both situations that yeah. uh, is kind of oppressing this guy that's always angry and the people that he afflicts with his anger maybe are totally. are subject to abuse from this entity? I totally believe that. Now I'll tell you another thing that <clears throat> that struck me as odd. Um, every now and then at work, I you know the guy he would show up and just kind of walk around and he would just kind of stand over you and burn holes in your back, you know, staring at you. And every time you'd look up, he'd just be staring right at you. Well, one day he was eating lunch and just sitting there watching his work, you know, and. He just looked real sad that day, and, um, you know, I just felt led to go over and ask him if he was okay, and um, I said, well, um, I said, would you care if I prayed with you? And he says, I don't really care what you do. Um, I said, well, um, I said, well, I go to a church right up the road here, and, you know, we'd love to have you, you know, I'll try to kind of extend an olive branch, you know, to the guy and sure. um, overcome the evil with kindness, you know. But anyhow, um, what he said, and I mean, he said it for a while, I thought, well, maybe he was just joking or trying to, you know, uh, shut the door in my face in a way. But he was like, my wife's a witch. And I just kind of looked at him like, are you for real? You know, I, I didn't say that, but I just kind of looked at him and said, well, okay. And, and I walked off. And right about that time, it was right about that time that I asked him that. And he said, yeah, my wife's a witch. Just very matter-of-factly is when everything kind of started. And I, I've always been under the impression that the thing that come in my house and tried to choke me out and I really believe it's it's the same thing that torments that guy every day of his life. And it just followed me home one day. Yeah. You know, I mean, the conversation we're about to engage in is, you know, speculative. We we can't say for fact, but I do um, have very strong feelings as to what you just said. And, um, I guess I'll say 
a lot of times, and this is something that obviously you're not unfamiliar with being the background you have, but I think a lot of times people that are claiming to be Christians feel that because they say they're a Christian, it negates them from ever having any kind of demonic oppression in their life. And yeah, I used to think that. I yeah, used to think that very well, I did too. I did too until recently. <laughs> I'd say about a, a year ago or so, I had a very dramatic experience. Um, I don't think I've ever shared it on the show. Um, don't think I'm prepared to share it on the show yet. But uh, it's real. It's very real. And just because you're claiming to be a Christian doesn't mean, doesn't mean you're immune to these kind of things. If this guy, if this guy was serious, and from what it sounds like he he was, he one he's got a lot of issues, and his wife obviously has a lot of issues. And when you were talking to me about what you saw when you woke up, you heard the chatter, and essentially you you said it sounded it, it looked like a monster. Uh, yeah. For some reason, and I've never heard of, I've never heard of this. So it's just something that just popped in my head. You know, I, for some reason, I was thinking astro proje- astro projection, uh, and I wanted to pick your brain on that a little bit as to what you think, because from what I understand with astro projection, um, you're not transforming your body when you do that um, to look like something else. Uh, but what do you think about the whole idea of astral projection and the possibility of maybe this guy's wife or even this guy, maybe, cause you don't know, maybe he, he was also dabbling into things, uh, maybe astral projection, astral projecting themselves, uh, into your home. I mean, do you think, you know, it's- I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think that that guy would care that much about, uh, but you know, here's the thing. There is no telling, you know, what that guy could be involved in. I mean, I don't know. Um, but the fact that he told me to my face that his wife was a witch. He didn't necessarily say that he was. And, you know, there's another detail that I never have really told anybody else. Um, but... um because you said that as for projection, I, I mean, I don't know a lot about that, but there was a guy who, um, who come to faith in Christ in our church, man. And he, he was a Satanist prior to, and he would tell me that, you know, he would, um, do that. He would travel around and not physically be there, but it's like his spirit would go places. And I thought, man, this guy's crazy, you know? And I used to think all this stuff was crazy, man. But, it's, you know, if things like this happen to you, you just about believe anything, man. I mean, all bets really are off. But um, the time after the um, encounter with the the shadow demon or whatever, um when I went to bed, um, when I laid down, it felt like something was picking me up and trying to take my my soul from me or my spirit. 
or my life essence or whatever. I remember I used to have a uh, a poodle and a Pekingese, and when we'd go to sleep at night, there's a little spot in our hallway that goes to the right, and our front door is there. Well, we had a little dog pen, like a little fence that you could put up inside your house, and um, I would keep the dogs in that at night so that they would, you know, not use the bathroom in the house. Well, whenever I felt that arm come under my back like that, I remember instantly walking down the hallway, but not in my body. Like, it was almost like my spirit was traveling down the hallway. And I remember like having a hood or something over or something over the top of my head and on the side of my face. And it felt like a hood, kind of like a Obi-Wan Kenobi's hood, you know? Um, and I remember when I got to the spot in my hallway where the dogs were, I looked over to the right and looked at my little picket knees and she looked right up at me. It looked right into my eyes and started, you know, um, like barking, not barking, but kind of growling and getting grossy, like, like I startled her, you know, and she didn't recognize me. Now that I, I can't make any sense out of that, but it's something I believed happened. Um, but it's just so strange that you said something about astral project. It's not something that I ever knew anything about. And it's definitely not something I would ever attempt to do. Um, but I believe that it's something that for some reason or another happened to me when, that night. When, when that happened that night, what, what were you doing again? Were, were you sleeping or were you awake I when was, this whole, happened, whole thing happened? I was asleep when that thing come over the back of the couch. I woke up and um, it was actually the feeling of its presence near me is what woke me up out of a dead sleep. But after I, after that was over and I ran to the bedroom, me and my wife prayed and, you know, I laid down to try to get to sleep. I was just terrified. And that's when I felt that. Um, and that's, you know, when I experienced that going down the hallway and seeing the dog and, in the spirit for, I don't know, I, I can't make sense out of that. But what I'm saying is when, um, when, you, when that actually happened, you know, what, whatever mm-hmm. your memory is of that, you're saying you were, you were awake when it initially started to happen. Yes. Yeah. I was, I was not asleep when that happened. Wow. I was awake. That, yeah. I mean, cause I know I've heard of people say that they've astro projected and it wasn't, they didn't even try to do a kind of thing. Most of the time, I hear what, I hear stories of people saying, you know, they actually were trying to do it, but uh, oh, I wouldn't, I would never I attempt. Such right, time. I, I I tend to keep my spirit right in my body where it belongs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but what's weird, I'll tell you this: um, I remember my back being arched and like contorted, and I felt like I was dying. Like it, it was a like if you've ever fainted or had a seizure or something, it was kind of that kind of a feeling. 
And um, during that, during that experience is when I kind of, I don't know if I left my body or whatever, but I was walking down the hall and saw my dog face to face. And what, what put a stop to that is, I guess, my back being arched like that kind of bothered my wife asleep. So she kind of, you know, kind of ribbed me with her elbow, like, hey, cut it out. And then that's when everything, like, I felt like I was kind of dropped back down, like whatever had me held up, let me go. And when I went back flat on the bed, I grabbed my wife and, and I said, help me. Um, and she said, what's wrong? I said, something just tried to take my spirits, what I told her. Um, and there's there's other things that's happened, man, that I can't make sense out of. But um, for a long time, now this happened probably for years this has happened. Um, we'd be laying in the bed and, and not asleep, but just laying there getting to sleep. And um, this would startle me so bad. I, I'm, I'm the type, I'm very jumpy at night in my house. You know, after all these, I guess I have good reason to be. Yeah, but, no doubt. Um, um, like if I hear a sound, I kind of, like my spidey sense tingles, I guess. I jump up and kind of look around like, hey, what's going on? But um, when I, <clears throat> when we'd be getting to sleep, it, it felt like something jumped up and pounced on the bed, kind of like a cat. It was about the size of a, I don't know, maybe a medium-sized dog. It felt like it was something probably about 50 pounds or bigger. Um, I mean, it had weight to it, but little bitty feet. Like, I could feel the little bitty, you know, we have like a Tempur-Pedic bed, so it, it's uh, it's kind of hard to tell if something gets on the bed anyway, but it jumped up. It always jumps up on my side of the bed, and... When it lands, it's right on my leg, like right, like it's it's feet or legs doesn't really touch mine, but it lands right, right on my leg, right beside me. And man, I jump up and almost fly out of the bed like a cartoon, man. It's unreal. Um, <laughs> I would tell my wife, did you feel that? And sometimes she was like, yeah, I did feel something. Like, what was that? She thought I was doing something, but it's something that jumps on our bed, man. Your poor wife. Your poor wife. You keep on rushing into the room, telling her things. You're waking her up, telling her things. I mean, it's no wonder she can't even get to sleep. It's unreal, man. I'm going to tell you this. I don't worry about anything anymore. Um I remember the day that everything come to an end. Um, <clears throat> me and my wife, we're high school sweethearts, and we've always been best of friends. Um, gosh, we've been together since we were 16, and I'm uh, 38, just now turned 38. So we've been together a while. Um, but I remember <clears throat> one day I was coming home from work, and I was very distraught this day. Like I was driving home and, and just 
in tears, and I thought, man, what's next? Or, you know, I I really thought that hey, these things were gonna actually take my life one night or hurt my child, man. I, you know, really, I could have cared less what they would do to me, but you know, my wife and my son are—they're just kind of innocent casualties in all this, and I, it just. I was really terrified that something would happen to them. And um, <clears throat> I remember coming home from work one day, and um, my wife pulled in behind me on the road that we live on, and that just never happened. We never got home at the same time. But that day, it just worked out like that. And I remember when I saw her pull in, I was just like, gosh, man, I don't know what I would do if something happened to her, you know from all of this mess. And um, whenever, um, as soon as I put my car in park, man, I felt that the presence of the Lord, man, it just, it just hit me like a lightning bolt. I felt, I felt like empowered to handle this, you know, for the first time during any of these encounters, I felt like, I don't like to say, you know, got my groove back or whatever, because this was a groove like I never had, you know what I mean? It was like God granted me the authority to toss this out of my house for good. And, um, I mean, it felt like I got struck by lightning. And, I mean, I almost felt like I could just punch a train at top speed and just knock it dead to a, a grinding halt. And I, I remember getting out of the car, man, and I walked in, and my mom was here. She used to come to the house and watch watch her son whenever we were at work. And um, I remember walking through the door and just laying it down, man. I just spoke to anything and everything in my house that was evil, and not of God. And I rebuked it in the name of Jesus and anointed my home and we prayed. And I mean, I was like exhausted after all this because, you know, it was like laying it down on a level that that has never happened to me, you know. And after my mom left, it was just me and my wife and my, my little boy. I sat down on the couch and it felt like um, I had my eyes closed and was just finally at peace, you know, from all of this. And it, it literally felt like two fingers touched me right on my forehead. And it felt like fire go all the way from those two fingers to like the inside of my heart, like in the the very core fabric of my person, you know. And um, it, it was probably the most amazing thing that's ever happened to me. And I've never had any problems since. Wow. That's really cool to hear. You know, I wanted to hey. bring up a point to you. Uh, about something you said earlier. And it's not necessarily a point, but just, I don't know, a story to relate to you. Uh, you said you felt like your spirit was being pulled out of your body. Yes. It's very, 
ironic that you shared that with me tonight because just last night I did another interview where the guy told me that he was being pulled off his bed, but he said it was more like they were pulling his soul or his spirit off the bed. And he said he physically was being pulled off the bed, but it was like they were pulling something from within him out of his body in the process. You know, being, you know, uh, one-third physical, one-third spiritual, and one-third soul, he felt like there was something inside of him that was being pulled out of his body in the process. Uh, Is that how you describe it? Absolutely. Like, I felt like, I felt like I was hanging on for dear life, like just fighting to keep, I mean, I can't explain it. I don't, I don't understand it. Um, when I believe that we are physical people, I believe that we are spiritual beings living in a physical body, you know? Um, but I really do believe that whatever was behind all this, was trying to take my spirit man out of me. And I really, I mean, it's, I mean, it's no surprise. I mean, I felt like I was dying. It was a very scary feeling. Um, and I used to have fainting spells when I was a kid. It was a, what they call a basal vagal response to seeing blood or gross stuff, you know, and I still get a little queasy seeing blood and guts and things like that, you know. Um, but I always remember as a kid being so scared whenever I would faint because, I mean, it, I mean, I don't know what it's like to die, but I would imagine it feels close to that. Um, that's that's exactly what I felt like that night. And uh-huh. there's just no coincidence that I was traveling down the hallway during all this. And I mean, it's just bizarre. There's a lot of, I mean, I believe there's a lot to be learned from all of these experiences that have happened to me. Um, and I believe they're all linked somehow or another. I can't explain them all. And I can't, um, I mean, I'm, (laughs) I'm no expert at all. All I can do is just tell you what happened, you know, um, I don't really have the know-how to write a book, and I really don't care to have that level of exposure, you know, to, um, you know, I don't know how many people these, you know, YouTube shows reach, you know, but <clears throat> I thought to myself when I kind of started contacting people to share these experiences, I thought, man, if it if it helps one person then it's worth the price of admission for me to know that, man, good will always triumph evil. And, you know, I believe that God created all things and that all things are subject to him. Um, <clears throat> and that's that's proven true in my life, and I'm no different than anybody else. So I know he's the same God to everybody else as he is to me. And there's people out there suffering in silence and people that are scared to talk to their pastor 
that's like we were talking prior to, you know, this interview that, I mean, there's people in churches all the time. They think that they're impervious to spiritual attack. And, you know, I used to be that guy. I used to think, well, I mean, you know, there's demons and devils out there. Um, but they're out there, you know, in the ethereal or ethereal world or whatever. And they just kind of make people feel bad behind the scenes and kind of mess with your mind here or there. I never had any idea that they were like physical beings that could really physically touch you and cause you physical problems. Um, that was a new one. And, you know, in my book of life, I didn't know. I never dreamed that it's as real as it really is. Yeah, it's it's very real. And I don't think many people uh, within the evangelical community uh, quite grasp how real this stuff is. Um, you know, I, I see it just in my own circles. I mean, no, nothing in particular, but just, you know, it's like, oh, Tony has that show and that's nice. Uh, I, but people, I don't think they quite grasp the reality of what I'm dealing with when I'm talking to all these different people and their experiences. Uh, it's extremely real. And when it comes to the whole idea of, um, witches, the whole idea of, of that and the idea that somebody could place a curse on somebody else that's so like foreign and esoteric uh to it, it's so out there that people sometimes they just can't grasp the concept that that's real like literally real people could actually do that to another person uh, and it, it's just i mean I, I understand it's hard to to grasp and wrap your mind around uh but it doesn't matter just because you can't wrap your mind around it doesn't mean that you shouldn't try because it's a it's a real issue you know and like you said earlier about the uh the guy i think you said he was a satanist or something that you know started coming to your church um yeah but let me ask you about that real quick uh how did that whole thing work out was he somebody who uh stuck around for a while or or uh was he no, more- it was a matter as a matter of fact, he didn't. Um, and you know, I don't know really what become of the guy, but he, um, he came to church maybe about maybe a month or two. And, uh, he got married, man. Um, you know, during a Wednesday night service, you just kind of have to <clears throat> know how our church is. It's, it's a very casual laid back church, man. And it's just, it's like family to me, man. I love I love my church. I love love my church family, man. Um but the guy, I mean, he seemed very genuine and um you know, he got baptized and started him and his wife would counsel with my pastor who is amazing, man. My pastor is he's like a dad to me, man. And um <clears throat> you know, that he counseled with them and he decided that, you know, you know, he and his wife wanted to get married, and he said, well, we want to do it tonight here at church on Wednesday night. So, 
know, it's kind of an unexpected thing, but it's awesome, man. I mean, I thought, this is fantastic, you know. And everybody kind of cheered them on, you know. They thought, this is great, you know. Um, and that's the way it ought to be, man. When people, you know, are getting their lives together and, um, I mean, to me, that that's that's a cause for celebration, you know, in my book, you know. Sure. But um, <clears throat> the guy, just as mysteriously as he popped up one Wednesday night and stayed for a month or two, he disappeared and nobody ever heard anything else out of him or his wife. Nobody knows. He just kind of dropped off. Um, I like to think maybe he moved out of state and started going to another church, maybe, you know. There's just no way to know. Did, do you know if his wife had a similar background to him? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they were steeped in it, man. I mean, we had a men's fellowship. We have one every month. It was um, usually like the first Saturday of every month where the guys just get together and we have breakfast and talk about guy stuff and, you know, um, I mean, this guy just blew our minds, man, one Saturday and just was telling us about, um, this foreign world of Satanism, how he got into it and things that he did and things that they would do and what they believed. And, and he was like, man, I'm glad to be away from it because it's, you know, it was killing me, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know really what he meant by that, but. Well, I mean, it, it's something like, I mean, it's, it's hard, man. Like that stuff's hard and you know, uh, it's hard to get out of. And even when you get out of it, like it, it's, it still takes a toll on you. I, I can totally imagine yeah. what he was going through. Uh, you know, people that are involved in the occult and things like that. I think I've said it on a previous show. Or maybe I've said it in an interview before that hasn't aired yet. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, people within the, the occult, they, they do purposefully uh, infiltrate churches with the mission to oh, yeah. to uh, get the church to break up. Um, That's what he said. He told, he told us mm-hmm. that very thing. It's, 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 it's one of the, the, their main thrusts is to, is to do yeah. those kind of things. Uh, it's because you know it, it's it's your opponent, you know, and um, <laughs> that's right. It, it, it's the enemy. It, yeah, exactly. It's not a game. It's this isn't a game, you know. And, and like, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't want to get too preachy, but um, no. I mean, what I was going to say was, to be honest with you, when it comes to that particular person situation, uh, I my first reaction was when you first brought him up, I was like, okay, I got to learn more about this guy. Um, but the fact that he had come forward and told you guys his past, uh, tells me that he probably was sincere in his, um, motives because, because he, you would just, you just have to see, and you just had to have been around the guy, man. Like I'm sure if he, um, if he was trying to pull the wool over my eyes, then it totally worked, man. Because I mean, you know, like he would just cry about, you know, when I, you know, Hey, I don't, I don't, I don't throw shade on anybody for crying, man. It's good for you to get a good cry out. You know, um, sometimes I do for no reason, just, you know, cause I'm <laughs> happy, you know? And, um, 
But man, this guy when he would talk, it just would have tears streaming down his face, man. Um, yeah, it's just, it was just amazing. Like I was in awe of this. I thought, right, man, this guy went from the the polar opposite end of the spectrum to the other end. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, and and that's the thing. I mean. They're not going to tell you th- what they're doing. They're not going to just tell you what their their plan is. And the fact that he came forward oh, no. and talked about it openly, it tells me that he, he he was probably using telling you guys. It was probably a way of of, um, of uh, healing, counseling. Yeah, th- exactly, yeah. healing and and getting past what what his history was. Because uh, there's I've I've heard um, different people talk about their past within the occult and satanic churches and, and what they were involved in and how they got out of it. And, um, it's rough, man. It's rough. Like there's a lot, there's a lot of, uh, um, mental wear and tear that goes on while you're involved. And cause you literally have to become brainwashed, uh, to the point where what you do doesn't hurt you at all yeah you get anesthetized and you know the bible calls that you know having your your conscience seared like with a hot iron you know you can dull your conscience to the point of like you said not feeling bad for what you ought to feel bad about exactly you know i i heard this one guy talking about how he was um he was for lack of better words, because I, I don't know the pr- proper terminology, um, let's just say he was a wizard. You know, he 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 was like a like a, some kind of high priest within the Satanic Church, where like pretty much his job was to go into places and cast spells on certain situations that needed his attention because he was the go-to guy for these certain things. And uh, he was really talking a lot about different things that they were involved in and not his particular coven, but other covens that are out there. I mean, I'm talking like some, some dark stuff, man, like having babies in secret just for sacrifices and things like that. Like, like I haven't talked about that kind of stuff on this show. Um, because I, I don't know how, how deep I can go with my audience yet and actually, uh, share some things that I've, come across and I know or that has been told to me but um, I will say that that uh, I have been I've heard that and so like if you're involved in a coven that's doing that kind of stuff imagine the kind of psychological toll it takes on you you know so it's gotta be something it's it's gotta be liberating when you get out of it and it has to be like tearful no wonder why the guy cried you know yeah, like all the time. Um, uh, just blew me away, man. There's a guy, I want to say his name is Ted Gunderson. He's a, uh, like some retired CIA or FBI operative. Um, man, check him out. You, if you want to go down that rabbit hole talking about how people have children just for the purpose of you know, ritualizing them and indoctrinate. And this guy, I think he's he's dead now. He was he was an elderly gentleman back when he come out and become a whistleblower. You know, 
but I think his name's Ted Gunderson, but he talks about that very thing, man. It was just, and there's things that goes on in this world, man, behind the scenes and kind of in the green room of life that man, people probably wouldn't want to know about, even if, even if you could prove it a hundred percent, I mean, people wouldn't want to know, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and yeah, it is Ted, Ted Gunderson. Um, he was in the FBI and basically labeled a whistleblower coming out and, you know, talking about, uh, child exploitation for nice terms and, uh, you know, Satanism yeah. and things like that. Um, there's actually rumors of him, uh, being killed by Illuminati. Uh, obviously that's speculation, you know, but, right. um, that's, you know, a rumor at least. And of course, I mean, really, whenever a whistleblower dies, there's going to be rumors like that surrounding their death. But, um, yeah, so definitely uh, somebody that's interesting to uh, at least hear speak. And I do believe that he is dead as well, yeah. I think he died uh, probably about five or six years ago. But, man, you know, on um, just the ministry aspect of things that I've seen in my life, man, we could probably do a whole series on things that I have seen, you know, um, I've only ever met a couple people that I thought were truly, you know, demon possessed and, um, you know, I mean, that's a whole different can of worms of things to talk about. And, but, uh, <clears throat> you know, there's things I've seen that, you know, fully convinced me and, you know, reinforced my own beliefs um, that there, I mean, there really is a a good and evil aspect to life in general and, you know, things that, um, like demonic possession is a real thing I really believe can happen, man. And if you, if you ever have met somebody that you thought was, you know, bona fide possessed by a demon, Man, it's a scary thing. It's a scary thing. Yeah. Yeah, I I actually have seen um, a teenage girl that, you know, supposedly was possessed by a demon. Um, I didn't have any direct contact with her uh, physically, I should say. I was right there when it was going on. But um, there was a, a girl, and she started howling and screaming this god awful sound and um you know i anybody can scream and make some awful sounds screaming and so i always i always approach things like that you know speculative but uh yeah there was probably now i was i think i was probably about 18 or 19 years old when i saw this so it's been a while but there had to be at least five six people uh trying to physically hold this girl down uh and she was, it was like, it, the only, in my, in my mind's eye, what I remember, it, it almost looks like, um, you know how like the, the doggy pile where everybody's just kind of like on piled on top of each other. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's obviously they weren't laying on top of the girl doggy piling on top of her, but in my mind, that's what it looks like because all I remember is seeing this the group of people and it was, it was a lot of men. They, it was like they're, they're, it was like a doggy pile and they went up and then they went down. They went up and they went down because this girl is physically lifting these people up. 
And yeah, and uh, that I mean, in my mind, I'm like 95 percent sure she probably was demon possessed. I didn't get involved. I didn't walk over. I didn't. I mean, but I was literally like five feet away. But I was like, I'm not. You, I'm not getting involved in that. You know, it's strange, man, because there, you know, there's very little in the Bible that really kind of reveals, you know, that tells you, hey, this is what demon-possessed people do, um, and this is how they act, you know. But there's a story in the Bible where Jesus encountered a demon-possessed person in the in the Gadarenes region, uh, you know, where the demon spoke and said, you know, suffer us to go into the swine, and they kind of did and drove, you know, ran off the cliff, you know. I always say that's the first instance of devil damn, you know, but, um, <laughs> but what's really, what's really startling is, you know, and I can't, can't quote verbatim, but the Bible says that the man who was possessed was, you know, super strong so that no man could bind him and that they shackled him up and chained him, um, you know, in a remote a region of the of the area there, and and what's what's funny is a lot of the people you know that that are supposedly possessed today, you know, they exhibit superhuman strength, and there's no way that those people could, you know, really know those details unless they, you know, were very active in their Sunday school class as a kid, much less be able to physically fit the bill, you know, like you right. talked about the girl who was super strong and able to, you know, withstand several people. Um, you know, it just kind of lends credence to that story as, you know, being a truthful account. Yeah. And I've heard, um, several of those kind of accounts. I mean, um, I, my entire life I've been somebody who just, openly talks to people about this kind of stuff. And so I've heard stories from, you know, professors at college and things like that, that just kind of like, in my mind, like, I know it happens. I know it happens. I mean, for me, it, it, there's no doubt it happens. I've seen it happen. I've heard people tell me stories, let alone I've read it in the Bible. You know, the story that you, you were talking about, I mean, it, <laughs> that's a story that I've I've probably read a million times, you know? Um, right. and, uh, there's a lot of stuff that goes into that account. So, I mean, yeah, it definitely happens. And I, I don't even know how we got on that because on, on this topic, because <laughs> I mean, they talk about a rabbit hole, you know, cause it, it has nothing it to goes, do with man. your, your encounter, but, um, it's good. Uh, it's good fodder. So, uh, yeah, it is. you know, before we get out of here, uh, I wanted to ask you one more question and, you know, yeah. feel free to answer it at any length that you'd like. Um, but the mm-hmm. dream that you were talking about, you know, uh, that basically what I want to say is, do you think, do you, do you think it was a dream or do you think that's something that actually was happening to you? Um, you call you described it as this. a recurring dream, but what you described seemed very real. And, and it sounds exactly, I mean, when it was happening, you know, the first time it happened, I thought, you know, um, until I woke up and stood in front of the mirror and was looking at all these marks on my body. And there was just no way that I could physically do this to myself. 
not in the span of, you know, seven or eight hours of sleep, nor would I even want to do this to myself. And there were, um, there was a little symbol on my lower right back, um, and it was very precise. It was um, like a row of red dots, perfect little red dots in a line. There was five of them, and the next little line was four, then the next line was three, then two, then one. And it was a perfect upside-down triangle on my back. Um, and I tried to chalk it up to, well, maybe I leaned against something, and but there was just nothing that... There was just nothing, you know, that I I could have bumped into that would do that to me, and it was perfect. It was it it looked purposeful, almost like a tattoo, you know. Um, <clears throat> and then the oversized handprints that wrapped around my arms and legs, and you know, my wife could vouch for every bit of this, and and people ask me all the time, you know, you know, the very few people that do know. Um, they said, well, why didn't you take any pictures of yourself? And I said, man, I had I never had any intention whatsoever to ever tell anybody about this. So that's, you know, I guess yeah. hindsight, you know, I wish I would have taken some pictures just to kind of show people, you know, hey, this is what happened. That's the only thing that keeps me from believing that it was just a dream. And I've tried to force myself, I've tried to force myself into thinking or going further, like, um, what happened next? I really try to jog my mind and I, you know, I, I sit and think and think and think, um, you know, what happened next? And it just never goes anywhere except for. A couple of times, and and this really is. I, I I will say that this here is. I I don't I can't say if this is real. You know this part what I'm about to tell you. I can't tell you if this is real or just what I. My imagination of what happened next, or, but. <clears throat> usually when I'm cutting grass, I I'm on my riding mower and I think about things like. You know, I just ponder about these things, you know. Sure. Um, <clears throat> a couple times I have thought that, you know, I just see a, a little snippet here or there of, you know, being in a, a dark room that you can't see the edges of, but you know that you're in a confined space. You just feel that you're in a confined space. And... um you can't see anybody there, but you know that there are people around you looking at you and that you can't move. Um, and that there was a bright light overhead beaming down on me so that I couldn't see what was outside the scope of that light. Now, I don't know. I think that's just, it could just be me thinking, well, this might be what it was like. Or it could have been my mind actually remembering what did happen next. But, you know, I just, I don't know. I mean, that part of the story is where I said, you know, it left the reservation here for me um, when it got into what could possibly be considered 
aliens. Um, and that's something that <laughs> the Christian church today definitely don't want to get into. That's a can of worms we really avoid opening. Because, they should. I mean, maybe, they really should. Yeah, and, yeah, they really should because, um, you know, I believe that if there's ever a day where aliens or whether they be aliens or demons masquerading as aliens when they show up on the White House, you know, um, as people say, I mean, it's going to blindside a lot of people and it's probably going to shipwreck a lot of people's faith because, big time, you know, they don't touch it. They don't think about it. They don't even consider the fact that it could be real. And to me, in my mind, I think, what better way for Satan and demons to possibly shipwreck a whole lot of people's faith at the same time is to come along and but let me tell you man i've I've heard too many stories and um um testimonies on YouTube. There was a guy who was a mufon director he was a big big time guy in the mufon and um you know he started putting two and two together saying that you know hey, there's these people who are claiming that they put alien abduction to a dead stop because they mentioned the name of Jesus. Well, that didn't sit well with Mufon, and they kind of ousted this guy, but he, he still goes out and he shares. And I wish I could remember the guy's name, but you, you probably won't have to search very long to, to, to find him. But, man, it's very interesting. And to me, I think there's there's something to be said about that especially when people uh, share testimonies that these aliens that come from supposedly, you know, millions of light years away just to tell people that, hey, you know, this Jesus guy was just an ascended master and, you know, uh, we really created you. I mean, why why would they, you know, it just to me, there's something, there's something kind of sketchy about that. Yeah. No, I, I absolutely agree. I mean, there's there's mystery surrounding that whole topic that I think, at the very least, people or organizations, I don't care if it's a Christian church or whatever, I just, we, we're talking Christian churches because we're both Christians. Uh, but yeah. I, I'm saying, at the very least, whatever relig- religious organization you're a part of, at the very least... They should give it attention just because yeah. of the fact that the odds of somebody in your congregation that have experienced a UFO or an alien abduction, it's very likely that somebody within your your congregation, especially if you're a bigger church of a couple hundred people, have experienced something yeah. like that. And they need uh-huh. to know what to do about this, you know? So, I mean, I, absolutely. I, I absolutely think it's something that needs to be talked about. And, um, I just recently had learned that actually the Catholic church actually does a pretty good job with talking about these kinds of things They they don't, they don't shy away from the idea of supernatural and all those kind of stuff. So, um, you know, say what you want about, you know, what you think about the Catholic church and things like that. They, they do. They do do some things right. If you don't agree with everything, that's you know fine. But you know, you know they have they have probably one of the the largest, most expensive, most advanced telescope in the world. 
um, I forget where it's at. It's somewhere like in the mountainous region. I think maybe Colorado. It's owned by the Catholic Church, man. You ever wonder, you know, when you think back in the Dark Ages, man, they used to, you know, um, excommunicate scientists for even considering looking at the stars and studying things. And now, you know, they have a one of the largest most advanced telescopes in the world it, it kind of makes you wonder you know why would they have a telescope you know <laughs> uh, i mean you know it maybe they're looking for true, though no i absolutely agree i mean i know the pope has this this pope that um uh that's that's pope right now has come out and said that he would baptize aliens if they were there to baptize and that's not yeah. actually that's actually not a foreign concept that's something that actually has been taught uh-huh. in the in the Catholic Church for a long time uh or yeah. something of that nature you know I'm not Catholic so I I can't really speak definitively I, I but that's what I was pretty much told and uh you know makes you wonder yeah absolutely <laughs> absolutely so I mean who knows but um Stephen, I really appreciate you coming on and talking with us tonight and just kind of sharing your experiences and just sharing your thoughts on on the matters at hand. Uh, before we get out of here, do you have any parting words to share with people? Oh, man. I've probably taken up a, 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 too much of their time already. But I just, <laughs> you know, if, there's, I, if there's anything to be gleaned from this is just know, man, it. God's ultimate power and there's there's nothing stronger than him. You know, if you're going through um some kind of demonic oppression or you know, if you feel defeated or beat down, man, lift your eyes up to him because he's he's the he's the problem solver. He can fix it. Right on, man. Well, Stephen, thanks so much for talking tonight and I really appreciate it. If you have any other experiences, you know how to get a hold of me, man. I definitely want to hear about it. So I've got I've got several more, uh, nothing uh, to that magnitude, um, you know. But I, I've had some some strange encounters, you know. Well, maybe we'll have to have spare. you back on for a, a, another sequel episode of some other things that have happened. <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be an honor. Thanks for having me. Awesome, man. Well, I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Yes, sir. All right. Bye, bye. Well, that's the show, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you want to get on the show and share an encounter with me, I don't care what kind of encounter it is. It could be a UFO, alien, ghost, Bigfoot, hat man, stick man. I don't care what kind of man it is. You can go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com, hit the connection section, and you can reach me that way as well. You can also get a hold of me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. My Instagram and Twitter handles are the same, which is Tony underscore Merkel. That's Tony underscore Merkel. Until next week, friends, take care.